Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding. Uh, let's say our misunderstanding today, the Tao of Our Misunderstanding Recovery Podcast. Uh, isn't it always about our misunderstanding, though? I came in thinking I understood everything. <laughs> Didn't y'all? Did y'all think y'all had the world figured out when you came in? I, I did. Or I thought I did. I'd been as successful at some things. I hadn't lost everything. But the one thing I couldn't figure out was how to quit drinking. That had me stumped. And as I was here longer... I realized there was a lot of things I thought I had figured out <laughs> and um, that was questionable and then realized it's that serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. When I started, I thought I had all these things I could change like a, a like a seesaw, like all these things I Seesaw he played with it, played on as a kid. And then as time went on, it went the other way. <laughs> it went on. There was nothing that I much that I thought I could change. And even now, there's really, when I get down to it, there's not very much I can change other than my attitude toward what is. That's the only thing I can change. And I have to allow and let go of the rest. And as far as effort goes, that is so much harder for me than jumping in and trying to do it. And that's what the Dow is all about, in my opinion, is learning how to allow, like we talked about last week in the 36th verse. Yeah, it's just a gift. Uh, the Tao Te Ching and the, the te- these teachings, you don't have to, you know, if you're a Christian, you don't have to turn in your Jesus card to study this. I promise you, there's nothing here that I have seen that violates any of my core Christian beliefs, nothing. That's why it was so easy for China to become a Christian nation. Uh, read the Jesus Sutras from about 600 to 1100 AD. There was a, a church in every town in China is what the writings say. Because they believed in a Taoist approach, a one God, a one force, a one flow of life. So it was not a hard leap for them to go from that to basic Christian tenements. And then uh, the emperor got a Buddhist wife and she did away with all that. <laughs> the Jesus Sutras is a book that talks about all of that. Some interesting reading. Okay. Any announcements, go to buddyc.org. Lots of good things there. Uh, there's a resources tab. There's a bookstore tab. So if we talk about different books, they should be in that bookstore. If not, just email me from the website, and I'll be happy to get you a link if you can't find something. Published a book, Powerless But Not Helpless, and it's my interpretation of the Tao Te Ching. You can see some of that at the website, buddyc.org. I will send you a free PDF of the most updated copy of that book if you um, email me from the website got a daily devotion there if you're so inclined uh, that we will probably publish sometime in 2025 it's starting to go to the editor now and it's be a daily devotion of taking one of these thoughts and doing a thought and affirmation with a thought and quote matching most of it with an AA quote and then I've added a description of love because, you know, what we find, the Tao Te Ching, they is virtue. It's uh, T-A-O-T-E-C-H-I-N-G. So it's the book of the path of virtue. So we're coming from a place of virtue here, not a place of balance, but a place of virtue. Because virtue is the only thing that can get us into balance. (laughs) And that's why it's the Tao Te Ching. T-E is virtue. So uh, we found in recovery 
that we change when we get the focus off of us and on someone we can help. That's as simple as it gets. You know, the big book talks about that not, nothing so immunes us against a drink as working with another alcoholic. It works when other activities fail. That's because we're doing what we're going to be talking about here. It's getting the focus off of us. How can I help you? And when I help you, I don't realize I'm really helping me. It's that mirror effect. It's the hand feeding the mouth and the hand feels better. It's all those things that we use for analogies. But I'm really interested in how this verse speaks to us today. We decided to take a different approach too. We're not studying these verses beforehand. And we've talked about these before. We're up to two, I think it's 278 episodes. So you can go back in episodes and find where we've talked about this verse before, but we're not reviewing any of that. I'm just, we're just opening it up and reading it and see how it speaks to us in this moment. So I'm excited about that today. So let's go begin with the 37th verse of the Tao Te Ching. We'll read a few different translations and then we'll go through it and see how it speaks to us. Um, uh, You want to read the Stephen Mitchell, Drew? Sure. The Tao never does anything, yet through it all things are done. If powerful men and women could center themselves in it, the whole world would be transformed by itself in its natural rhythms. People would be content with their simple, everyday lives in harmony and free of desire. When there is no desire, all things are at peace. Thank you, sir. Never does anything, yet through it, all things are done. That reminds me at the beginning, you mentioned the compatibility between Christianity and Taoism. And that opening line reminds me of the, is it Philippians? He, I can do all things in Christ. Yeah. Four thirteen. Yeah. That reminded me of that right when I read it. We have, I used to mistake that God was helping me with things. If I had something that, was beyond my power, something that was that I needed help with. It was as if I did everything I could and I got that little push I needed. I did my best and God did the rest kind of thing. Thinking. I just was I don't know where I got that from. It's just what I gathered from how I was raised and uh influence religious influences on my life. But here I realized it's about me doing nothing and stepping out of the way and a allowing it to be done for me so hard to step out of the way that's what i started talking about earlier have to step that's what the first part of mitchell says the Tao never does anything yet through it all things are done any anyone have another translation they'd like to read buddy i'll read the jeff pepper Dao Ching in clear English. And it says, Dao does nothing, yet nothing is left undone. If lords and kings could grasp this, the 10,000 creatures would transform themselves. If transformation leads to desire, I will suppress it by using nameless simplicity. Nameless simplicity eliminates desire. Without desire, all is peaceful. And the world settles itself. So the problem's desire. That's what he's saying, correct? So the Tao never desires. Is that a? It says if transformation leads to desire, I will suppress it by using nameless simplicity. Nameless simplicity eliminates desire. Without desire, all is peaceful, and the world settles itself. Hmm. Thank you. You got the Jonathan Starr Oscar. Good to have you today, sir. Good to see you, my friend. We miss you when you're not here. Uh, uh, I miss you too. So thank you very much. And uh, glad to hear. I have Jonathan Starr here. Yes. Um, Tao does not act. Yet it is the root of all action. Tao does not move. Yet it is the source of all creation. If princes and kings could hold it, 
everyone under them would naturally turn within. Should a doubt or old desire rise up, the nameless simplicity would push it down. The nameless simplicity frees the heart of desire and reveals its inner silence. When there is silence, one finds peace. When there is silence, one finds the anchor of the universe within himself. Ooh, man, that's good. Hmm. The nameless simplicity frees the heart of desire. Hmm. Beautiful. I have some words written beside that, and I'm, I'll read my interpretation of this. I think it's going to add to what we're talking about. I don't always do that. Freedom from me is the title that I put on this. The way of sobriety never acts from self-interest, so there is nothing to correct. When I abide in the way, everything marches in a divine rhythm. When old fears raise their heads, surrender, surrender removes any remaining power they may have. I am aware that all of my character defects have their origin in fear. As I surrender to the fears that bind me, I am freed from myself and able to be of service to others. And I've got some notes on the Jonathan Starr, the word for nameless simplicity I replaced with powerlessness and desire with fear. So it could be read powerlessness frees me from fear. Yes. The great thing about the Jonathan star is you have a concordance. Any of you old Christian folks that used to use a, uh, like a vines ex expository of new Testament words. This is a vines for, uh, Gene, the Jonathan Starr translation and commentary, not just translation. Now, I know we have a link to this under the resources at buddyc.org, and you can go through and it shows you every word that word could possibly mean. So you could pretty much make it say anything you want it to say. And sometimes it really speaks and is just so straightforward. Any comments, guys? Buddy, to me, this speaks to jealousy and envy and that desire, that that longing to prove to myself that I'm okay. And when I get in that loop of, man, if I could just have X like Drew, I'd be okay. Drew's okay. Or Oscar, if I was just like Oscar, if I had great hair like Oscar, I'd be okay. And... Uh, when I get in that loop, man, I'm operating from a deficit and I'm circling the drain and uh, I need to realize that I am okay and perfectly imperfect. And uh, yeah, but that's what comes up for me. Reminds Here. me of that phrase, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. And once I start comparing myself to others, either positively or negatively, um that's that take that takes me out of the moment and creates separation and just being thankful for what I have and enjoying the present moment helps a whole lot more than comparing what I've got or what I don't have to everybody else. Thank you guys. That word for nameless simplicity, one's natural state. That state that we're restored to, that state of dependence, that state of surrender. The uncarved block is another way that word could be changed. It could be uh, translated. Uncut jade, the nameless uncarved block, the simplicity of the nameless. Think about it. You can't get more simple than something that's not even been named yet. <laughs> that is back to square one basically is what i'm hearing there and it says that simplicity frees us from the desire that we're talking about oscar yeah it's if you if i go away from the religious connotations 
I would call it something like consciousness or something where actually the Tao does not act, so conscious doesn't act. It's just there always in its timelessness, in the present moment. One of the most beautiful sentences from the big book is the is the wish. They say, if you uh, may you find God now, something like that. But it's always the now. So the book is written in the 30s and everybody who reads it reads the same. And it's about the present moment. And when I go in the present moment to just being or just consciousness and I leave all the story and I leave all the desire and all the fear and just leave it for a moment, uh, then it's really peaceful and it's really not judging and not fighting and not uh, troubled and not comparing and it's nothing, it's just there. And I recognize also this state of being as something, if that is gone, I, I nothing is there. So when consciousness is gone, everything is gone. And that's what here, the Tao does not act, yet it is the root of all action. Tao does not move, yet it is the source of all creation. So every com- everything comes from nothing. <laughs> Something like that. Thank you, Oscar. I was thinking while you were talking, we could look at this as talking about staying in the present moment. Staying, being where our feet are is how it was told to me. And when I came into AA, we had a lady called her Butterfly Pam because you don't use last names. So you do some, she had butterflies on everything. So she was Butterfly Pam. And she always talked about being where your feet are. I'd never really heard that before coming into recovery. But is that not what desire does? Is it brings us out of the moment? With our thoughts, yeah. So it's just still the thoughts. So my feet are here, but my thoughts are away from my feet. Then I'm lost. I want to read y'all something. If you you have anything else, interrupt or raise your hand. I recently, one of the devotions I was writing, I used more about alcoholism, and I replaced drinking with thinking. And I know that's done often in meetings. But I'll read a little bit of this. Most of us have been unwilling. This is page 30, chapter 3, more about alcoholism in the big book. More of us, Most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real problem thinkers. No, people like, uh, no person likes to think he's bodily or mentally different from his fellows. Therefore, it is not surprising that our thinking careers have been capitalized by countless vain attempts to prove we could think like other people. Anytime I'm thinking, I'm getting out of the moment. I'm not there. I've gone somewhere else. The idea that somehow someday he will control and enjoy his thinking is the great obsession of every abnormal thinker. (laughs) The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. We've learned that we had to, hold on a second. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his thinking is the great obsession of every abnormal thinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it in the gates of insanity or death. And it goes on and on. We problem thinkers are men and women who've lost their ability to control their thinking. Uh, and it, There's so much for me that in that, you could take everywhere on the next two pages where it talks about drink and replace it with think. And it, I came into recovery thinking I had an alcohol problem, but when I, what I realized was I really had a thinking problem is what I had and still have still have. I mean, I lost my shit the other day, acted like a two year old. It's crazy. Very embarrassed. I'm glad I was somewhere. I don't go too often. I'm not going to go into detail, but, yeah, I'm just like, buddy, come on. <laughs> you shouldn't be behaving this way. You'd be so embarrassed if you saw someone, you know. Anyway, uh, we all have work to do. You know? And the more I look at this verse, the more I see you know, the Tao 
does not leave the moment. The Tao is now. God is now. Oscar? Yeah, <clears throat> I want to add on this thinking disease we have uh, <clears throat> that it's on itself, the thinking is not really a problem. So it's a lot and it's strange and it's weird and you should. But as soon as I'm going to take it seriously, I am lost. And then I lose myself in the thought process and I believe the thoughts. And through meditation, thank God, I recognize that the real, my real problem is identification with the thoughts. And the real problem is in my heart. And they, those are all those fears. And, and I have this problem in my heart with all those fears and deep fears and 100 kind of fears. And in one way or the other, my head is commissioned to solve that fear. And solving the fear means not feeling it. <laughs> of course, I'm going to drink because I feel less scared. So my head says, okay, and then I come in this mental obsession. I need a drink because yeah, I feel scared. And finally, after 50 years, I found this program where it says, okay, this is how it is. You have a spiritual disease. There's a mental obsession and an allergy of the body. And finally, I understand, okay, that's how it works. I have the disease here in my heart. And my head is trying to solve it all day long. And it goes on and on. And that's the voice in my head. It's trying to solve a problem which it can never solve because it's a problem of my heart. Thanks. Thank you, Oscar. Yes, yes. And in looking back in life, I've always been trying to solve that problem with whatever it was, success, kids, money, sex, trips, stuff. But I was always trying to pacify my fear. Never could happen. Never could happen. Then I came to recovery and I realized when I did my four-step inventory, I had no idea I had so much fear. And then I was starting, I was given tools to help me surrender to that fear that I was never given before. And that's when the progress started. Lori, you have something, dear? Good, Good morning. To see you. Hi, everybody. Sorry, it's late. Technical difficulties in snow here. I have the translation from um, Wayne Dyer, 37th verse. The Tao does nothing, but leaves nothing undone. If powerful men could center themselves in it, the whole world would be transformed by itself in its natural rhythms. When life is simple, pretenses fall away. Our central natures shine through. By not wanting, there is calm, and the world will straighten itself. When there is silence, one finds the anchor of the universe within oneself. Thank you. So, I was listening to a Michael Singer podcast this week, and he talked about fear and desire being the two areas of our thoughts that are most distracting and unuseful. <laughs> and he went off on all kinds. And, and it's interesting because I'm taking a meditation teacher training and Tama Chodron, there's a little blurb and she was brilliant, of course, in the way she talked about all of our wanting and all of our complaining when we don't get what we want. And how focused we become on this is miserable and this is horrible and this is, I don't like snow, but I don't like rain, but I don't like clouds, but I, you know, it's just crazy. All this is so um, distracting when the beauty is in the silence and accepting of whatever's present in the moment, just like you guys have been talking about. She's brilliant and a beautiful reminder. And I find it also very consoling, as Buddy started with saying that um, ultimately there's very little we have control over. Ultimately, there's very little we can change, per se. But to say that I'm not dependent on someone else for it, it's for me very freeing. That the universe is within. One finds the anchor of the universe within oneself. 
I'm digging that. So it's good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Deep down in every man and woman is this, every person is this need, this belief in God, this desire, this knowing that there's something greater than themselves. Uh, that's, we've all heard that. And it's interesting how when we do away with the fear, the desire, it says that princes and kings could hold it, the Tao, that everyone under them would naturally turn within. So when we get rid of all of that influence of fear, what happens? We want to live a life of compassion. It all turns within. I never, I've never once, um, after doing a fourth step and a fifth step, you get that light feeling eventually you know, when you're going through all that. I never want to go out and hurt someone or kill someone. <laughs> I want to be kinder. I realize that's my nature and it's been covered up. That light's been covered all this time. I didn't even realize it was shining the whole time, but it couldn't be seen. Reveals the inner silence. Yes. People would be content with their simple everyday lives in harmony and free of desire. When there's no desire, all things are at peace, including ourselves. Oscar? Yeah, I was thinking when we are, when I am in this inner silence and you, you experience the compassion like it's a natural thing and the contentment, uh, but especially with other people, that you don't want to murder anymore. So the, the murderous, murderous feelings come from desire and fear. So when they are gone and, this, and you find this consciousness or this silence, when I find it in myself, I automatically also see it in the other. And, and then you, then I realize the completeness of all this and then it's really would really be unthinkable to attack someone actually so so it's also i think the ego deflation and and the lack of desire and fear in a silence and immediately i can touch or recognize it in every other person and in meetings i always recognize this very because it's very going coming very nicely to the surface by meditation in the beginning and because of anonymity we got we get in anonymous so we leave our ego outside and we are there equal beautiful thanks yes buddy that reminds me of that quote from that semi-famous scottish philosopher Craig Hill. Uh, no, famous. Call him famous. Famous, famous. Yeah, not semi-famous. He's famous. <laughs> <laughs> Stop thinking and end your problems. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he don't want to he, take that back. He wouldn't want to famously be known for that. So. <laughs> no, he would. <laughs> we can take that out. <laughs> it really is true, though. Yeah. Yeah. We get rid of this fear and we just naturally change all the effort. I think Oscar started with this, all the effort I used to put toward managing my drinking was effort put toward pushing down my fear was what I was doing with my drinking. And it's like the of trying to hold the beach ball under the water. The harder you push, the further you push, the more it pushes against you. So what I learned in recovery was I had to stop pushing it and it stopped pushing against me. I had to stop the resistance. The other thing this, I think another big gift in verse 37, talking about the present moment is where our peace and joy is that our desire is really looking for the desire is looking for peace and joy is what the desire is looking for, but it doesn't realize that 
the peace and joy is in the moment. And I have found that I've been in unacceptable situations that were very unacceptable. What was going on was not something that I desired at all, but yet I was at peace in the middle of an undesirable situation. And that's the gifts that we get from learning that, and acceptance just brings us to the moments, all it's doing. We're just in the moment, accepting the moment like it is, as it is right now. And if we can learn to do that or have that skill in more moments of the day, then we can experience peace and joy in more moments of the day, which is what I want. I know I'm supposed to say that you know, all the real spiritual stuff, oh, I'm just, you know, I don't desire those things. No, I want to be happy all the time. <laughs> I want to be at peace 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Okay. But that doesn't mean, now it doesn't mean, okay, if I'd have said that 20 years ago, I want to be at peace all the time, every day. I would mean, oh, I want this, this. I'd automatically be thinking, oh, if I had this and had this and had this and this wasn't like this and this wasn't like this, oh, that would, yeah, then I could. But now what I've learned over many years of suffering, I hope you guys can take a shortcut by hearing our experience. If I just accept the moment as it is right now, I can shortcut that stuff thing and i can be at peace regardless of what's going on in the moment if i'm rich if i'm poor i've had money and lost money granted having money is better but i can be at peace on both ends i've been in happy relationships and lost relationships granted the same but I can be at peace regardless. I've enjoyed my children immensely. Had a child died, his birth died three years ago. His birthday's tomorrow. He would have been 29. I can be at peace with the death of a son, my only son. So those are things that we wouldn't relate to being at peace about, but we can all learn to be at peace regardless of because. The peace is not in what happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow. The peace is in this very moment. And if we're not in this very moment, we can't experience it. So it's all about getting into the moment. It's now. All those other things are illusion. What we think about the past is an illusion. None of us think of the past exactly as it really was. It's an illusion. But we're thinking about the future is the same way because it's in our thinking. And our thinking is influenced by all the fear that the fears that we still have in our life. And this process is ridding us of that. But knowing that we're in this very moment is where that's at. Then we can use the tools we've learned in recovery to number one, get rid of some of our fear, start the process of surrendering to those fears. And two, there's some real good tools that will help us to stay in the moment. Acceptance tools. Anyone have any acceptance tools that they, of course, I know I have a couple I'll talk about. I want to find a quote in the big book on acceptance. Anyone else, what are are tools you use for your fears? What, anyone have any suggestions? Yeah, I can, uh, I am experimenting with one (laughs) lately. And that's, uh, as to, okay, when a fear comes up, as soon as I notice it, I block every association with the uh, with the cause. So there is no cause in the world, and then there's just a fear in my heart or in my body or wherever it is, somewhere between my stomach and my throat, and then I, I just sit and feel it. Yes, and that's really. Really lovely experience because there, the connotation is gone, so it's just a feeling. Oh, so it's just a feeling. So there's no more, no more judgment about it, or no good or bad in it. It's just the uh, excite, uh, the energy of the feeling. 
Uh, and then when I do that, and it depends on how big the fear is or how, well, it depends. Sometimes I take two minutes, sometimes 10 seconds, sometimes uh, 50 minutes. And then I just continue with something practical like watering plants or doing dishes, something which I do mindful. And then I feel really open, really yeah, I accepted the thing. I accepted the fear. And it's a really nice process, which I experiment all day with because I have 1,000 fears. So you can really do it all the time. <laughs> but no cause in the world is really good for me these days. That's good. And what I heard in that too, Oscar, was you were allowing yourself to feel the fear. That was the first thing I had to learn was that when I have a feeling come up that I usually suppress and say, no, I shouldn't feel that way. It's that beach ball effect again. I've just got to let that fear come up and let it go through, as Mickey Singer would say, like Lori was talking about, just let those fears go through me, not hold on to them, just let them go. Uh, anger was the first one for me. I've mentioned this before, but I'm not going to go into detail, but I was angry. No reason to be angry at that time. It's something in my head that's going to happen in months to come. And I said, I, uh, and then I realized, oh, I have an opportunity. Let me try this new thing. And I learned this new thing from um, David Hawkins' book, Letting Go the Pathway to Surrender. Actually, I'd recommend that book in Audible for sure for anyone. That is definitely in the bookstore. Hawk, David Hawkins, Letting Go the Pathway to Surrender. And that's what he said. Just let it go and just let yourself feel it. I was like, okay, I am angry at whoever. And then I said, why I was angry. And I sat there a second and it started leaving almost immediately. I was like, almost. Well, it really was. I said, wait, I was enjoying that a little more. I I didn't want to go so fast. It's one of those things that would have kept me angry all afternoon 15 years ago. And I just stayed in constant anger all the time. And it was just one of those things. So is that like you said, Oscar, just letting that start going is really a, the first. And then we have a lot of tools in recovery that work on top of that. But we got to let ourselves feel those things. That's, that's great, Oscar. Thank you. Brian? Yeah, for me, what I was thinking about was the gratitude list. So if I just sit down and I write down 10 things that I'm grateful for, and it doesn't, uh, I try not to put material things down. I try to put that I'm you know, grateful that through the work that I've done, that I'm not the same person I was five years ago or 10 years ago. And another thing is I'm very good at telling my, at telling others there's always options. And I have to remember that for myself. You know, it's like when I start circling the drain, I just tell myself, look, I'm not backed into a corner. I always have options. So that's what helps me to stop the stinking thinking. Thank you, Brian. And the one that I fall back to with that is if, granted, I know no one is the cause, but if I'm attaching a person to that fear, especially from actions I have taken, I pray for that person or thing and I keep, and I have a specific person because you know, we know a lot of screwed up people in recovery. So there's always somebody that's got what we got. <laughs> and so we can, uh, we can always pray. We can either pray for the, the fear itself, the person we're angry at, or we can pray that another person be helped with their fear. That's another way that we can approach it. Oscar. Uh, yeah, because you mentioned Hawkins, I, I also re remember one from his book, which I really use a lot. Um, and uh, that is, if I find it very hard something to uh, to accept something, I just go back one step and ask myself, do I have the courage to accept this? Mm. If Maybe. And if I have the courage... Then I get out of anger and fear and the really negative emotions. 
and go a bit up in the direction of acceptance. So not if it doesn't work directly, I just go back. Do I have the courage to do this? Yeah. Okay. Then we can talk. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's also one of the parts or instruments I use for sixth and actually it's sixth and seventh step, which I do all the time, all day long with all these tools I find in in, in meditation or in books or in the Chinese philosophy or here. I grab everything to do six and seven all day long. Thanks. Thanks, Oscar. Those six and seven tools, that's really how we change, I think. Uh, I look at six as the things that we need to change, our character defects, and then seven as the things we're not doing that we need to add. And that that's what the whole program, those are the things that cause us to be able to turn our will and our life over to the care of God in the third step. So, yeah, thank you, Oscar. Thank you. Laurie? So I started just this last week a new mantra, which is in alignment with what we're talking about today. And sometimes I write stuff on my hands with uh, a um, non-permanent tattoo pen. They're awesome. Because I forget. As soon as I figure it out, I forget. It's so funny. So the mantra is, there is nothing to fear. There is nothing to fix. Ooh, that one still makes me tingle. There is nothing to expect. And there is nothing to prove. And that just brings me back to, I'm a fixer. I'm a fear monger. And for me, that pattern interrupt is enough to get me refocused in the moment and just sitting back what Tolle talks about <laughs> AE squared accept, enjoy or enthuse and that keeps you in the moment um, something else I've noticed this week which is really curious um, we've, I have guinea pigs as pets and um, oh they've had some health issues this week and uh, in the last few weeks it's been challenging emotionally and I'm not used to having emotions. I'm not used to how to deal with emotions because as you were saying, I love the beach ball analogy. Oh my gosh, that's perfect. Um, what, I've, what I'm practicing is authentic emotion because what I've noticed is I can manufacture the emotions with fear or with the uh, thought. So I can say, I can intentionally go in my head and say, oh, I'm going to miss the skinny pig and Maybe it was my fault and I can get all worked up and choked up by using my mind to play with it. And what I noticed is it's much more challenging to shut up and just feel it. Just feel what's there without trying to make it better or make it worse, without trying to enhance it or analyze it or whatever the mind loves to do. <laughs> Yeah, that's another place where stillness is, for me, very helpful. My mind wants to help and fix, and Michael Singer compares it to a computer, which I love that analogy. It's just a big, fancified computer, and it's there to serve us. You just have to keep it in its place. And the distinction between the feelings and the thoughts has really been powerful for me this week. And... There's nothing I have to prove either. You know, I don't have to look sad because well, someone's watching. Good grief. <laughs> where all this came from. <laughs> but yeah, gratitude that I'm at least aware of it now where I was before. <laughs> hey, hey Laurie, uh, could you yeah. repeat your affirmations again? Oh, man. Nothing. There is nothing to fear. There is nothing to fix. Oof. It gives me chills every time. There is nothing to expect. And there's nothing to prove. Nothing to what? Prove. 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 Okay. Yeah. Coming from a fear-mongering fixer, <laughs> full of expectations and people-pleasing. 
<laughs> you know, none of those are in the moment. <laughs> no. No. They're uh, reactions based on experience. Yeah. They're part of that desire. Yes, to look good and be right. Yeah. Or some of us is to look bad. It's the opposite. We want to punish ourselves. Some of us, that's where our fear comes out. Uh, it can come out in all kinds of manifestations, but every one of them is taking us out of the moment. Every one of them. The two that really helped me with acceptance were the thank you for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever. And I would not change blank, whatever it is, even if I could. The second one is more difficult than the first. Both are difficult, but the second one is, for me, was much more difficult. Um, I'll take the, tell this real quick, and I've said this, told this story multiple times. Uh, when my son got sick, I just finished, no accident, a uh, four-day silent retreat, our spring, our, that was in the summer. Uh, and I came home on Sunday from that, and this happened on Wednesday. And so I sat down with those two phrases, and he was real sick in the hospital, almost died, and he died eventually from issues that went on for a month. Went to the hospital at least twice thinking I was turning off life support, and it didn't happen. Anyway, just a big deal, but I sat down and thank you for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever, and I just got back from Atlanta and I see the best I see, one of the best I see use anywhere taking care of him. I had all kinds of things that I could complain about. I have no complaint whatsoever with my head screaming, you know, talking about our thoughts. My thoughts were just screaming. So I sat with that a while. Then I would not change Max's medical condition. Even if I could, oh, of course I would. I say it's like the resentment prayer. We pray for them, even though it may be empty words and we don't mean it. Don't even think it'll work, but we do it anyway. 552 in the big book, uh, fourth edition. I would not change Max's medical condition, even if I could. The fact I just finished a long retreat, I was able to sit with that for two hours, nonstop, just sit with those two phrases and meditated. Every time it started coming up, I'd use those two phrases over. And the thing was, every time I used them, even though I didn't believe what I was saying, I felt a little more peace, a little more peace, a little more peace. And over the course of two hours of that, I got to a place of acceptance. And I had peace in the middle of a very unpeaceful situation. Now, I had to come back to that over the month and oh, since then. I've had times I've had to come back, you know, I have to go back and work on that. That's not something that comes once and stays. And I've been able to maintain a modicum of peace through the whole thing. And I learned from the Hawkins book on grief, the grief chapter. You just got to let yourself feel that as it comes up, that grief over any of these things, over all these losses we've had in life. A book I'd recommend for that is the Grief Recovery Handbook. And it, there's also a counseling that goes with that. The guy that initially wrote that had 40 years in the program when he passed. So you'll see program related, uh, uh, tools that they use. I would have preferred they uncover one thing and fix it, but they uncover everything and they say, well, come back next week and we'll fix it. I don't like that. That was very difficult. If I were to do it again, I would take one thing at a time and go through the whole process instead of the way they do it in the book. But the book has a lot about loss and every, um, we have a lot of losses that we've never grieved, uh, all kinds of losses. And we hold on to those things and resist them. And it helped me with losses from childhood all the way up that I had never allowed myself to grieve so you start with or you go through those do a timeline of your life and do all these things and it was very good did much more for me than just the death of my son uh, had no idea all the grief that i was suppressing and that's the grief recovery handbook and uh, the counselor that helped me with it actually and this is no accident 
my Zen teacher is a counselor for, and introduced me to the book. That's no accident. Um, but I, their counselors all over the country. I would definitely recommend that process. We just Buddy, I'm, I'm listening to a book right now. It's Pete Walker, uh, The Tao Fully Feeling. Ah, okay. And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. Pretty good book. It, uh, I'm not doing it with a therapist, so uh, disclaimer, it can wind you up a little bit. <laughs> what was his name? Is the Dow Fully Feeling? Yeah, Pete Walker. Pete Walker, okay. Thank you, sir. Oh, it's been a good meeting, guys. Anything to add? Man, I needed it. I got I up this morning, and my inner Eeyore, he, uh, he's been... <laughs> he, I've been walking around the house. He's been sitting here on my shoulder. And I was thinking about Craig. Uh, I got that what we resist persists from uh, our Scottish friend. So uh, I don't think he listens to the podcast. He pretends he does, but I don't think he really does. So I'll know if he does. He'll mention that I mentioned that on the podcast. Uh, He's a good guy. I love him. Uh, I've got a friend that I've met newcomer and he's from he's from ireland and every time i talk to him i think about craig mm-hmm. i know ireland and scotland are but it's just the accent makes me think of him yeah thank you thank you brian guys if there's nothing else thank you for enriching my sobriety today thank you so much Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.